Our next speaker is Mr. Mick Wallace. Madness. Madness. This is madness. We cannot fix a problem caused by capitalism with more capitalism. They hurt the people. I ended up at the end of a gun. And on three occasions. I don't want to survive anywhere. Madame Dali will speak. A union which allows fiscal rules to be broken for arms expenditure. But not for housing or to put roofs over the heads of people. This is evidence of police violence. Whether you're an economic migrant or you're an asylum seeker, nobody deserves to be treated like this. And even having the neck to suggest separating people from their mothers. How dare you? Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's I Foresee Trouble with Dalian Wallace and we're back in studio in 2023, the first podcast of the year. God knows what podcast we're on now. It's well over 100 anyway, so... Good way to start 2023 with a podcast in Strasbourg. It's been a, the end of a plenary week now. Not a terribly exciting plenary, you'd say, Claire, would you? No, and I mean, it, this is going to be the start of the year of anniversary. So we're all going to be bored out of our tree with all these so-called celebrations of these European milestones. So we had the one this time on the 30th anniversary of the single market. Uh, we'll be having celebrations on the 50th anniversary of Ireland joining um, and then we see the big signs out, 75 years delivering democracy in Europe. So we're going to be getting bucketfuls of this stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean... And they're fun debates, aren't they? Well, listening to them going on about the single market, you'd swear now we were all living in the lap of luxury and everyone was having a great old time, which actually belies the reality of life for most European citizens. Yeah, it was a pretty... Um <laughs> kind of a bit of a soul-destroying debate on it. I mean, most of them clapping themselves on the back for how wonderful the single market is and how uh, this is all about democracy. But in actual fact, um, the the 30-year anniversary of the single market, um, obviously it's a celebration of the principal reason and the ultimate goals of the process of European integration in the first place, which is a market. And... Uh, there was a lot of promises, promises at the beginning around uh, getting a social Europe, uh, but um, the single market uh, has been driven very much by the Commission and uh, it has transformed the EU into a bit of a, a machine for the liberalisation of European capitalism. So um, the EU, as we've often pointed out, has created uh, a mountain of legislation through various treaties, um, regulations and directives and the main function is to is to promote neoliberalism, and uh, it, it does unfortunately allow the EU to erode policies uh, around consumer rights, labour rights, and social rights in member states. And uh, this is the people give out to us about uh, we're very, very critical of the European Union, uh, but we're also very uh, very much in favour of the European project. But we wanted one for the people rather than one for big business, and uh, we. We wanted to move away from neoliberalism, not to keep embracing it. Well, I thought it was gas when you compared the sort of celebrations, Maria, on uh, the 30th anniversary of the single market on the Monday discussion. And then on the Wednesday discussion, we had uh, the sort of a new strategy for European industrialisation, which was actually when you listen to speaker after speaker actually reflected the crisis 
in the European economies, um, you know, the impact of the energy crisis largely fanned by their own decisions in um, cutting off their biggest supplier of gas and failing to deal with Russia. The fact that they've been outwitted by the Americans with their protectionism move and them charging record prices for energy and the impact that that's having on European industry. And again, tinkering around the edges, which is what the Commission is proposing in their so-called great new strategy, isn't going to deliver on that because at the heart of the project is neoliberalism and that can never deliver for ordinary people. So I I think it's interesting and I think it's interesting that the people of Europe are getting off uh, their knees because as we sit in Strasbourg, all the trains are shut down. None of the MEPs can get out of the country because uh, there's a national strike over pension reforms and uh, it's brilliant to see, uh, I suppose, workers across Europe because when we go back to Belgium they'll be striking as well it's great to see them taken to their feet uh, getting off their knees because actually that's the only way to to change the agenda to have more um, you know I suppose business being run in the interests of people rather than than profit you know Mm. I mean people are really feeling the effects of uh, the rising cost of living and uh, inflation Uh, Rising energy costs. Uh, we've, we've the politicians uh, still promoting the war uh, at great cost to the people, and uh, people's wage increases uh, are so minimal and not keeping pace with the, the rising cost of living and inflation. Uh, it's little wonder there are strikes. Well, exactly, and I mean, and when we came back, of course, you know, all the politicians want to talk about and change the agenda to get in more stuff about Ukraine, uh, more stuff about Qatar Gate, uh, and then they change the agenda to have those things included, and then hardly any of them turn up for the discussions in the first place. It's been seen to be championing these issues. Oh, we're against corruption in the European Parliament. We're for transparency. Oh, we're on the side of the people of Ukraine. But it's all this is all just flag waving nonsense. These are last minute requests to add things to the agenda basically the European Parliament is becoming uh, an absolute joke at this stage Mm. it's uh, really becoming extremist in its um, the political stances that it's taken in a manner which is not reflective of any countries you know even the US or EU countries aren't as extreme in some of the positions that they're taking in terms of the war Mm. and yet that's not commented anywhere in the media Um, I I find that quite striking Um, I mean, just, just to emphasise just how mad it is, uh, we we had an amendment again yesterday calling for peace. Uh, our amendment said, stresses the need for urgent, intensive and sustained diplomatic efforts to end the war in Ukraine and end the suffering of the Ukrainian people. Now, of the 630 people who voted, right, uh, 471 refused to vote for peace. 471. Just repeat that amendment again, just so people can hear it word for word. Stresses the need for urgent, intensive and sustained diplomatic efforts to end the war in Ukraine and end the suffering of the Ukrainian people. The only thing it's calling for is actual diplomacy. It's diplomacy and (laughs) peace, right? Uh, It's it's not not saying, oh, uh, we love Putin, Mm. uh, Russia. It's not saying uh, that we're actually... We're highlighting the fact that the Ukrainian people are suffering, right? But 471 votes, uh, refused to vote for the peace. I mean, 471 out of 630. 
It's shocking. It can, is. can you explain why? What like people at home will listen and think? I tell you what, now they should, they, should, they should ask their own uh, MEPs why, because I, I can't explain. I really to me, it's very obvious that this institution and the EU in its entirety has been captured by the military-industrial complex. I mean, everywhere we go now. Uh, Zelensky's on a world tour going around with a begging bowl saying give us arms give us arms I'm seriously Davos now, thinking yeah. now every discussion now you can see the economics of this coming to bear um, we need to develop European defence industry we need to replenish all our stocks which have been um, you know sort of relinquished through fighting the war in Ukraine we need to get European weaponry into Ukraine there's this big debate about the Leopold tanks going in and Germany sending this and it's all about the money and as we said in the discussion militarism is driven by militarism so we had the common security and defence policy put forward again our annual sort of report and it's lauding and selling the lie that militarism is keeping Europe safe when in actual fact it's the drive towards militarism that has made uh, Europe insecure in the first place and it's the move away from diplomacy I mean, it's lunatic stuff. And what's going on? And there is, and I, I've been struck, Mick, I don't know you in the emails, there's been quite a few Irish people getting in touch now and we're getting seriously worried about the link between uh, the EU and NATO and what's that that is doing to our uh, neutrality. But the position that was adopted by the Parliament, again, of arguing for uh, greater weapons going into Ukraine, uh, an increase in spending on defence up to 2% of GDP, an increase in arms uh, going to Africa and such places under the peace facility. What a joke. A European Defence Union which is getting rid of, and this is a big debate actually, getting rid of the idea of unanimity on decision-making in relation to defence. And some of the ECR, the Conservative groups, have actually put tabled amendments criticising Ireland and Malta and the handful of few countries that are not involved in NATO and basically saying these countries have to cop on. So that's the direction which we're going. That's the position of the extreme European Parliament is that there needs to be EU-NATO involvement, more missions in Africa, and the only winners out of this is the military-industrial complex. Well, Damien, you were asking how can we explain the fact that 471 people yesterday refused to vote for peace. Well, I think Claire's point is exactly, about, it's about the only explanation that you can come up with. Uh, this is NATO-driven. Uh, it's 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 a, a total uh, subservience to US empire. And oh, do you know what I've, I mean, I wouldn't have thought it before I came to the European Union, but I've got used to it now, right? Only four Greens, and how many of them is, is there? There's about eighty of them, is there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right, at least, yeah. Only four of them voted for peace yesterday. Four! Mm. And sadly, none of the Irish did, mm. right? Um, but f- only four out of about eighty of them? And yeah, why? One of them. I mean, the Greens have become uh, absolute puppets of NATO. Mm. That's the fact. That's the honest God truth. Mm. Do you think they're coming forward with kind of tactical excuses of, oh, we didn't have this point in the report and we wanted to kind of keep it? Like they often come up with this kind of stuff, but at the end of the, the day, they're voting on the content no, but, uh, of a text that's put to a plenary voted by all and they're, we, we, they're saying we, no. We weren't putting, we put it in such a way that we made it easy for them to vote for peace. Yeah, right. You could even for people who've been promoting the war, they could actually vote for us, right? But in actual fact, the vast majority of them uh, refused to vote for peace. Now we 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 had this week as well. We had a debate on 
crimes of aggression against Ukraine. They want to set up a tribunal in the middle of the war on a tribunal of crimes of aggression against Ukraine. They want to forget about the fact that the Western powers, NATO powers, were involved in destroying Yugoslavia, Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria and Yemen. They killed millions of people. And there was no talk of a tribunal for crimes of aggression uh, by them. Mm. The hypocrisy is is shocking. Mm. I I mean, and right now, right, the reality is, I mean, war is the, is the greatest injustice of all, right? It just punishes so many people, right? And yet we have uh, Zelensky and, and NATO uh, working hard to prolong this one. And with the European politicians, the MEPs, making sure it's prolonged. And they don't want it to stop. They pretend to do sometimes, but they don't want it to stop. And, I mean, instead of Zelensky going to the negotiating table, he's torn the world uh, to sell his uh, forever war. Mm. That's what he's at like. And I mean, in the meantime, Ukraine has been destroyed and the conscripted poor Ukrainians are dying by the thousands. Mm. Von der Leyen claimed there's 100,000 uh, Ukrainian soldiers dead, mm. right? She had to retract it because Zelensky didn't like it. It was mm. bad publicity. But in actual fact, poor people in Ukraine are dying for a stupid US-NATO proxy war. And we have the European MEPs support that morning, noon and night. Mm. They're voting against peace, as you just pointed out there. They're talking about uh, increasing militarism. And at the same time, they're saying, let's establish a tribunal on the crimes of aggression against Ukraine. So there's kind of a bit of inconsistencies there, because the, if they really wanted to help, they could uh, just advocate for peace now. Stop the war, yeah. whatever that takes, and at least have some diplomatic efforts. That's the biggest, the jarring thing is that there's no diplomatic efforts to bring about an end to the peace. If they even had a, some sort of sham or something, you could at least try and pretend that they're doing so, but there's nothing. Did you hear the Finnish Prime Minister in Do- Dovas yesterday, uh, where all the rich meet for their, for their chat up? I, she says... The most important thing now is that Ukraine win this war. Well, that was right? the point. I was, yeah. In other words, it has to be won on the battlefield. Mm. It doesn't co- doesn't care how many Ukrainian lives it costs. It doesn't matter how much Ukraine is destroyed, as long as we make sure that Ukraine win with Western weaponry. Mm. The Americans have put over a hundred billion into this war. Over a hundred well. billion, right, mm. to make sure that Ukraine try and win this war, right? So, but the, the amount of Ukrainians dying. Uh, is irrelevant to them. Mm. But there's no sign of them sending their sons or uh, going over to fight in the war or going over there themselves. Mm. I'd like to see some of the Irish MEPs promoting the war go over there and fight themselves and join the army. It's the logic. If the people here sincerely believed that that was the answer to the war and they are so committed to the cause, why aren't they over there? I mean, I really don't understand that. Why aren't they over there if this has to be won on the battlefield? I mean, we've had heartbreaking emails from Ukrainian students who were supposedly being given the chance to complete their studies in Europe and they're being prevented now from leaving Ukraine because they have to be, they're of conscription age and they have to be prepared for military exercises. And when we wrote to the universities in Europe who had offered them places and these are, they got reduced fees, but their families had paid for fees for them. Uh, The answers of the European governments were, well, we we uphold the law in Ukraine. tough shit basically uh, stay there and fight and we're told they're fighting for our values and our democracy but they're the ones dying and it's really heartbreaking uh, to see that and you know we witnessed some of the sort of heavyweights in the European Parliament the other night screaming at the Commission asking for more sanctions 
uh, more weapons. So repeating the same strategy that they've had in place for a year, which is only leading to an escalation of the conflict. And again, as I said, I think it's mad that nobody is talking about how extreme the European Parliament Mm. is. And we saw it not just in the tribunal. It would have no status. And this is what they're doing all the same. We had fellas getting them and saying, well, we've decided Russia is a terrorist state. Mm. We've decided. The European Parliament has passed a motion. That isn't any status. It has no status in European law. It's an American legal claim, which the Americans have said they won't even implement in and designate Russia as such. So this is la-la stuff and no one's calling out the parliament. And we saw it with the same thing with Iran and the designation of the Revolutionary Guard in Iran as a terrorist organisation. Now, these are part of the Iranian army. We're opposed to any army being used in a protest situation, but they're not a terrorist organisation or a terrorist group. The terrorist group is a group that doesn't have the backing of a government or a state. The Revolutionary Guard in Iran is part of the Iranian army and they were under General Soleimani, the people who defeated the biggest terrorist threat on the planet when the Iraqis had gone and begged the US to come in and help them defeat ISIS who was taking over most of their country. The US said no, the Iraqis had nobody and the Revolutionary Guard and the Iranian army under um, the direction of Soleimani went in and organised them and actually defeated ISIS and terrorism. Now that doesn't mean that we are in favour of the response of the Iranian state to the protest. The Iranian people have the right to protest and have their voices heard and we'd be very concerned at the fact that the government is not listening. They have to listen to their people. But that doesn't mean that the Iranian Revolutionary Guard is a terrorist group. They're completely ignoring the realities in Iran as well, right? I mean, they don't actually look and see well, what's really happening, right? I mean, uh, we are completely, uh, we've condemned uh, the, the, the nature of the crackdown by government forces against the protesters. And but what you have, unfor- I mean, you have peaceful protesters and you'll find that uh, over 90% of the protesters are peaceful and they're getting caught up in, you have factions, you have militants factions joining the protest who are armed. There's over 50 uh, security forces dead. They weren't killed by peaceful protesters. But it doesn't change the fact that the government are completely wrong. You shouldn't, no protesters should be killed, right? Uh, People should be allowed to protest without risking their life. And of course, we've seen uh, a number of executions as well. People that were accused of militant activity. But I mean, this is completely wrong. We oppose the death penalty 100%. Uh, it, It is totally uh, shocking in this day and age that the death penalty still exists any, anywhere mm. and obviously Iran is not the only place that exists but we oppose the death penalty uh, everywhere mm. so we certainly oppose it in Iran too but I mean Ir- Iran is on the, has a lot of problems uh, the, the western sanctions have had a dramatic impact on life in Iran but people are also tired of the religious element uh, uh, in, that have so much influence over government. The, the three sections to government in Iran, you have the religious sector, the Qom, you have 
the elected government and you have the you have the supreme leader then as well who is separate from the Qam uh, the Qam are the real the heart of the, of the religious people and these have too much influence in how society is organised in Iran for a lot, an awful lot of people's liking especially the young people uh, like for example they want they have every right to want uh, to wear the hijab if they want it but they should have they shouldn't be obliged to wear it and, it, and that change will have to come in Iran but I, but I reckon it will but let's see. Um, but you have the, the supreme leader then, uh, Khomeini, and he, he's over the, um, the the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps that Claire was talking about there, and also the Baji forces, right? And their main task is actually uh, protecting the, the security of the state from outside influence. They deal more with uh, protecting the, revolu- the revolution and protecting uh, the state from foreign influence. And that's where uh, the battle with ISIS uh, became such a significant factor for them. But look, at, uh, there's no shadow of a doubt about it, but uh, the protesters killed uh, is totally unacceptable. Uh, and the continued use of the death penalty is seriously disappointing, really is. So I think there's a couple of things going on here and they've all been... Uh, put in the mix and I think we saw them in the motion that went before the Parliament which we uh, voted against and they were bringing in as part of that if you like they were condemning Iran for allegedly sending weaponry to Russia which actually uh, the Burrell himself said the Iranians have denied that and the Parliament were screaming for the nuclear talks the JPCOA to regulate the use of Iran's nuclear thing for that deal to be scrapped for the EU to have nothing to do with it so It's definitely been the case that the external forces, the US, particularly at the behest of Israel, would love to see Iran weakened, would love to see regime change in uh, uh, Iran. But at the same time, there are genuine revolutionary movements in Iran at the moment. And that is a kind of a difference between regime change and revolution. If you like, revolution is and the people of Iran have a right to change the laws in their country and the government in their country. And they have the right to do that without state forces being on the streets, arresting them, imprisoning them, shooting them and the death penalty, which is absolutely abhorrent. Um, The people who were involved in the protests have been accused of crimes on those protests. I don't know whether they're true or not. And I actually don't care because nobody uh, should have the death penalty. And the Iranian police forces wouldn't be getting killed on marches if they weren't on the marches in the first place trying to suppress them. So, uh, Sorry now, but all state forces are there repressing protests. The Iranian authorities are making a huge mistake here and they are, they're actually paving the way to ensure that the genuine Iranians who have genuine grievances that they want to address will be driven into the hands of the very foreign interference that the Iranians are worried about in the first place because of the repression that they're implementing. Uh, which is unacceptable and because they're not listening to the legitimate demands of the people and I really fear for that because a weakened Iran in that region is not going to be good for anybody uh, except those who profit from the destabilisation of the area and it's so, so worrying for so many points of view. Yeah, I mean, it's a really difficult situation and we should be very worried about further destabilisation in the region because, and there is a a possibility 
And I, I think the government are under serious pressure. Uh, they're not dealing well with the protests, but I can see where the fear factor is. Uh, I mean, this government could fall. And what will be the end result of it? I mean, will it turn into another Syria where most of the people are, are hungry today, uh, thanks to the destabilization of the West? People forget that 20 years ago, this all this region was doing pretty fine. But since then, the West has invaded Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, and now it's undermining Iran, right? We, we completely condemn the nature of the crackdown by the Iranian government, but I can see where they're actually, uh, they're scared as well, and they're afraid of the foreign influences bringing about uh, the fall of the government. And there is arms, the Americans have boasted about arms going in uh, to different groups within Iraq, within um, Iran, and only last week, the Iraqis uh, commandeered a whole lot of arms that were on the way into Iran. So, I mean, uh, it's bad enough that Iran government and forces are dealing poorly with the protests and too many people are being killed. Uh, uh, but the outside influence and the sanctions have only added to the problem and are making things so much worse. There's actually loads more things we could be talking about as well, a list of things, but we really have to wrap it up because there's another... Uh, booking uh, and there's some votes coming up as well and still another few debates before the end of the session but just to say that in terms of the whole Qatar gate thing that you've spoken about before uh, there was a new vice president voted in this week uh, Mark Angel so he's the one replacing Ava Kaili who is still under uh, arrest at the moment and uh, yeah, there's probably to have to wait to the next podcast to touch on a few more topics. There's always plenty to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, so. like it, it has reached the headlines, the whole Cattergate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of MEPs whose immunity will be waived. Yeah. Um, I think there's two others, isn't there, other yeah, than her? Again, yeah. um, the Italian link, it sort of brought up the whole relationship of NGOs and their links with the parliament. Um, but again, there's a big clamour to be seen to be... Um, you know, dealing with it and dealing with transparency. Yeah, let's but see what actually happens exactly, in the long exactly. run. So, yeah. yeah, and I mean, we we would be remiss not to mark the podcast to register the passing of our good friend and comrade, Kevin Higgins, one of Ireland's best poets, who I was delighted that I got the chance to mention and acknowledge him in the Parliament. Yeah. Last week, Ireland lost a true revolutionary and one of her best poets, Kevin Higgins. We lost our friend, And his last poem was called, I always thought I'd live, and I'd like to read a piece from that. I always thought I'd live to tidy the books off the study floor and see fascists give up stabbing black boys at bus stops because peaceful protests have eloquently made them see the error of their ways. But the books that made me still decorate the study floor, and I don't have the oxygen to shift them. My consultants are unanimous. My days marching to places like Welling and Trafalgar Square are over. The risk of getting tossed into the back of a police van by overenthusiastic members of the constabulary is a luxury my lungs can no longer afford. Even holding a placard in my wheelchair would have me gasping for breath. And I thought I'd always live. Kevin's funeral was yesterday. He will always live in his words, Slán a Wallia Accordia.